Welcome to Side Talks. Podcast time. It is podcast time. What do we do on this podcast? We talk about movies. And who are you? I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm the creative director for Sidewalk Film Festival, Film Center, and Cinema. That's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's my, okay. It's all right. Well, I mean, you know, you should you should be doing a well-earned victory lap right now, having just, as of the time of this recording, run a frickin' movie, uh, a film festival, in the middle into of a the, pandemic. Into the ground. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't really run it, but I, I did program it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I've slept once since then. Oh, that's and, good. Yeah. So, it's, I'm feeling a little better than on the live episodes where I was couldn't even see straight. So Well, you know, that's, uh, you were in the middle of things then. But a very successful weekend. We'll yeah. talk more about that a little yeah. later. Yeah. Uh, I'm Corey Craft. We're here to talk about cinema. So, let's jump right in. Let's do it. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. Guess what it's time for? It's time for a five-minute fight. Five-minute fight. Um, I'm getting warmed up over here yeah. because we're fighting over something that you're very passionate about. I don't really care about, so I'm trying to get, like, I'm trying to, you know, roid this up. Is, I'm trying to roid up. Have this you is the like, timer, Brad? You good? Go. This is like you coming in here in 1974 or something and saying that Robert De Niro sure is overrated. Huh. Uh, because I think that the person we are arguing about today is in the middle of quite a run of pretty excellent films and excellent performances himself. We are arguing about one of the hottest actors out there right now, Mr. Adam Driver, a person you think is overrated. I do. Why? Uh, I think he's fine. Okay. Okay. So I'm not going to argue, but I don't think like I do find him to be just sort of in the category of okay, he's not going to drive me to a movie theater. Mm. Uh, get it? He's I not do. going yeah, to. Good, good joke. He's not going to cause me to want to see something. But I don't. I don't have an aversion to him. My girlfriend has an aversion. My girlfriend does not want to see anything with him in it. Like wow. immediately, she's like, I'm out. I'm not there yet, but I find him to be, I find that he takes himself way too seriously. And I think that carries over into his roles. Mm. And I find him to be generally irritating. Irritating. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Adam Driver? Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. You think he's irritating? Yeah. In, in, in what film would you say you find him irritating? I'm trying to think of a film I don't find him irritating. Oh at. my God. What is it about him that's irritating? Um, it, first of all, I mean, I will say some of the off-screen stuff does carry over, and okay. I know that you don't like when I do that, but I, 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 don't I can't really help it. But you know, that's not—I don't think that's so much my fault. It's really the—it's that's the whole—it's the cult of personality shit. Like you benefit from it, so it's going to bleed into into your work. I don't think and, that he has done much to sort of encourage that, though. I mean, other than being in Star Wars, I mean, everybody who's in Star Wars develops or gains some sort of cult of personality around them just by virtue of them being in Star Wars. I mean, that's not really his fault. So uh, he's his range is his range is not broad, mm. and I'm pretty tired of this. Oh, he's so tall and so handsome. He is very tall. He is tall. He is too tall. 
And he's too tall. For, for what? The earth? <laughs> yes. He's too tall to exist. And and he's not handsome. So get over it, y'all. I mean, you know, if you think a horse is fine, then maybe you think Adam Driver's fine. But he's not. And it's just okay. The work is just okay. And yes, the whole I can't see myself on film. I'm going to walk out of an interview stuff. Oh, is right. very irritating. That was kind of he, annoying. but It's so annoying. And he drags this annoying presence on screen, too. I think he feels very entitled and very – and he it just sort of – I don't know. Everything about him just sort of reeks privilege, and somehow that wow. that seems to manifest on on film. I, I, I have really a completely believe that. different reading of him than you do. I oh, mean, interesting. Um, yeah. Well, that's what this is. This is the five minute fight. I see a a talented guy who sort of uh, grinded it out. You know, leaving the Marine Corps, uh, took supporting roles. He made sure to take tiny little supporting roles. With really good directors, at least initially, you know, you got to start on, on the Lena Dunham show, Girls, which I can take or leave. I don't really care for that show. Yeah. Um, I know people liked him on that. Fine. I, I don't really have much use for anything there. But then he pops up in um, Steven Spielberg's Lincoln. He pops up in Noah Baumbach's Francis Ha and uh, pops up in the Coen Brothers Inside Lewin Davis. I mean, these little supporting roles in which he really pops. And then he gets the Star Wars gig, uh, which is probably the best character in the kind of failed sequel trilogy that ultimately ends in disappointment, but it's not his fault. Um, he gets a lead role for Jim Jarmusch in my beloved Patterson. He has a supporting role for Martin Scorsese in silence. And then it's off to the races, Oscar nomination for black Klansman, Oscar nomination for marriage story. He's just okay in marriage story. I think he's terrific in marriage story, but I think that his all time best performance just happened in Leos Carrick's is Annette. Yes, and I'm looking forward to seeing that, but not because of him. I have not seen it well, yet. Well, it's his it's coming movie, to the so, cinema. you know, brace I will, yourself. I will get back to you, but I, I do find myself wishing that that was someone else. Oh, I think no, that no, no, I no, actually no. think that you hit on my problem with him, Okay, which is I feel like he's a good supporting actor. He kind of, that's the lane he seems comfortable in. That's the lane in which he, I think his range is fitting for. I think he's a good indie kind of guy. I think he gets cast in Star Wars and I remember everybody being kind of like, huh, that's that's a shocker, a little shocking moment because he doesn't seem right fitting for that really but we're going to fit him in there somehow he, and then, he works splendidly and the, and and then it's sort of he's just not a leading man to me he's mm. not a person who can carry a film I don't agree I mean I think yeah. he's carried Patterson and Marriage Story and certainly Annette and I mean, he basically lifts the last Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker, on his back because there's not a whole lot else going on there. Do you and you feel like he's got real good range? I and think he's, he's really terrific. he's deserving of these lead roles. I mean, look at huh. his comic supporting role in Steven Soderbergh's Logan Lucky versus appearing in Silence, which is objectively the most serious movie ever made. Yeah, I do think he's got range. I do think he's got the goods. Um, and even something like Black Klansman, where he's you know playing a role within a role, is is really terrific. He's 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 excellent in it. Hmm. I, I'm just always surprised by what he brings to. Oh, I'd projects. like to be surprised. I'd like to be surprised. He's too tall. He's too <laughs> dull. You're going to see House of Gucci though, like day one, right? I am because that that he looks always like the best feels movie. like stunt casting somehow. Like I ah, just no. He's I, a bummer to me. He's wow. a bummer. I think he's just the, the too finest. Too tall to be for real, Sam. The, the, okay, go ahead, Sam. I typed him out as Adam Driver, parentheses, Gumby. Um, 
Uh, so Corey came out of the gate with a very iffy Robert De Ni- Robert De Niro comparison. Thank you. Um, no. I don't know if he's one of the hottest actors out there right now. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> um, Rachel gets a thousand bonus points for the pun of he's not going to drive me to the theater as a person who really appreciates puns. Um, and he was a Marine, and you can totally tell in his acting, so I completely agree with Rachel. <laughs> he has such a limited acting range. Range. Are He's you fucking so kidding me, Sam? more of a physical presence than an emotional presence on stage. Um, he has the same stage presence and body as Gumby, honestly. Truth. Um, so Adam Driver and Corey lose lots of points here. Uh, Gumby wins. Rachel wins. Yay! Unbelievable. Also, that tiny little bit part in uh, Inside Lewin Davis. It's great. With Adam Driver. One exception. <sighs> There's so else. many exceptions. Too tall. I sentence you, Sam, to rewatch the scene in Marriage Story where he sings that Sondheim song oh, over so and over anno- again. And it's so annoying. It's that's, great. Oh my god. That's the perfect example of annoyance. I am in upside down world. That's why I'm I like, swear. Oh, are we on a cruise ship? No. I hate it. Too tall to no. be for real. And Out you know, you rages. know what? Did you hear? They just cast him. And a live-action version of Gumby. I think Sam is totally right. Are you playing pokey so Adam Driver can ride your back? (laughs) (laughs) It's time for Reflections. Wind chimes. Corey, you know what? I know know you might need a minute Uh because you just had your feelings hurt about Adam Driver, your boyfriend's presence on screen yeah i just want you to know that your boyfriend jake gyllenhaal and your boyfriend adam driver adam driver could wear jake gyllenhaal's a flip-flop wow (laughs) does that make you feel better i mean it's a weird image (laughs) uh it does kind of make me feel better though but we're not reflecting on Corey's boyfriends right now we're reflecting on the sidewalk film festival 2021 what did you think well i mean <laughs> um, Minus I thought Adam it was, Driver, there was no Adam Driver. There unfortunately was not. Uh, I thought it was a a major accomplishment, considering everything going on in the world. Yeah. Um, to have planned for a triumphant return to downtown Birmingham um, two months ago, when the situation was considerably less bleak. Right. Yeah. Considerably less fraught with um, COVID concerns and the Delta variant running sort of rampant through the state of Alabama, as it seems to be. Um, And then to not only keep those plans, but but pivot enough to make those plans uh, comfortable and palatable to Sidewalk's audience by at the last minute instituting the vaccine or negative COVID test requirement to even attend. Um, I mean, what an achievement yeah. that is on, yeah. on the part of the entire team. Um, and then the fact that sidewalk, you know, felt like sidewalk cause y'all are up there doing your antics on stage in front of the films and, and there's, uh, always something weird and special, you know, happening, uh, around the screenings of the movies. You know, I, I went to see summer of soul on Sunday morning yeah. because, I had to see that on the big screen and, and you've got DJ Hollywood in the lobby of the lyric playing soul music. Yeah. Um, just the little details that make sidewalk sidewalk were there and it really did feel like a homecoming. And yeah. I, I know that that was a feeling that a lot of sidewalk attendees, you know, 
felt. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking on Friday night with a lot of people I haven't seen in a year and a half, right? Um, festival regulars, and they were, you know, masked up. They were happy to be there, um, and they were excited that it was happening. Um, I think that was just the general feeling. Those were the vibes I got all weekend, which was just, everybody right. was just happy to be there. They were glad that it was happening. Um, and, you know, from my perspective, which admittedly is limited as a spectator this year. Sure. Um, I know that a lot of work went into it. I know there was a lot of sweating. I know there was a lot of scrambling and last minute stuff because there always is, right? Every year. But especially this year. And the fact of the matter is, if the if the attendees can't see you panic, you're doing a good job. Right. As far well, as I could true. tell, that's true. Um, nobody could really tell that that panic was imminent, even if everybody was panicking. Um, you know, minor minor hiccups this year, so nothing too terrible. I mean, there, there's always stuff, right? Yeah, there's always stuff. So there was stuff, um, but I think you know overall it went pretty well. I think you're right. Did you did you any discoveries? Were you able to catch anything that you really were looking forward to or hadn't seen? No, yeah. no. I mostly stayed with like stuff I I knew about and was comfortable right. with, and and caught little bits of things here and there. But but the only movie I sat down and watched in full was was Summer of Soul. Gotcha. Um, and I had just intended really just to like watch a little bit of it, but you know Summer of Soul, like you, right. you get in there. Um, and, and I, I just got caught up in it. I was sitting, you know, with, with Kyle McKinnon, um, and it's just an overwhelming experience seeing that movie in a theater. This was my first time to see it in a theater. So that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just got all caught up in it, but, um, but I mean, you, you know, because we've talked about this, I'd seen a lot of the programming already. And honestly, I mean, even considering the difficulty that you had putting together this lineup, it's a pretty great lineup. It was a really strong yeah. group of films. I think so. Um, and a really strong group of uh, jury award winners, a really strong group group of audience award winners. I Agreed. mean, I looked at that list and I was like, yeah, this nothing about it stood out as not making sense. Everything made perfect sense Good, to me. Yeah. So um, the, I, I, I had, didn't, I didn't really hear anything negative about the programming from anybody. I mean, everybody seemed satisfied by the movies that they saw. Um, and yeah, I mean that, that tracks as far as I'm concerned, because I, I think it, it's an excellent lineup. And, and those of you listening who may have missed the lineup or missed films within the lineup, uh, there are a lot of movies that you're going to hear about in the next few months and the next year or so when they inevitably get distributed. Um, we were just talking before we started recording that um, uh, the award winner, the jury award winner, the novice and the audience award winner, catch the fair one, both narrative features um, have been bought for distribution by IFC films. And you're going to, you're going to see those pretty soon um, and strongly recommend both of them. Um, but that's just a testament to like the programming because I, we we might have known that the novice I think was bought by IFC before the festival, but Catch the Fair One got bought by IFC like right before the festival. Well, like, in the booking process yeah, of that so, film and, and the acquiring process for the festival, it, it certainly did. So you're booking you're booking titles that are in the process of acquiring major distribution, you know, as you're booking them, um, which speaks to the the quality I think. Yeah, um, you know, I it's a as you know about festival programming, you you work really hard to build a a, a sort of well, it depends on what kind of festival you're programming, yeah. right? But we're we're programming what you call a general audience festival. So yeah. we're working really hard to get this well-rounded, very inc inclusive, um, you know, 
festival that feels like there's equity in all genres and all, you know, between doc and narrative, between, you know, subject matter. And that can be tough. And this year certainly was was doc heavy. and, And you kind of when that kind of thing happens, I think it's not that you resist it so much as you acknowledge it's happening and why it's happening. And you kind of can embrace those moments. Like yeah. some years you're going to have more horror films and you kind of go, well, that's, that's this year. And you, so, you know, it's all about sort of figuring out the balance and then, and then where it's not equitable, you're kind of, you know, looking at it and making sense of it. And through that process, there feels like a lot of like, you take a little of this away. I mean, you put a little of this, well, now that is, unba- you know, it's a little b- b- back and forth with it. And so y- then you kind of stand back from the grid and you look at it and you go, okay, well, that, that, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And I, I felt pretty good about it. For the most part, I had some moments I had early on. I was like, this is hard. I think I even might have mentioned to you, it's one of the hardest years I've ever, ever yeah. done because, you know, a lot of it's sort of experimental too. a lot of it's trial. Like, are people going to come out and see an anniversary screening of something like heavy metal parking lot that's 16 minutes, you know, with it with some and, and, and a feature block with some like quote unquote surprises. Yeah. Right. And then that sells out. Um, some of the things that I thought would be really well attended weren't some of the things that I, I thought, you know, that's not going to really draw a bunch of people did. So there are some programming misses there. That's more about placement than it is about the actual sure. films and, itself. And you could never anticipate that necessarily. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to, it's, well, it's really tough. You try to, but it's tough, but ultimately you don't really know if that lineup has kind of clicked together mm-hmm. until you're at the event. I, I've found that you kind of stand back from it and, don't, and then, and then there's another aspect of judging your programming, which is you look at it about a year later. Sure. Uh, a couple years later and you kind of go oh wow i forgot about that film completely that really probably shouldn't have been in there or damn why did i put that film that got really huge in that tiny venue you know that kind of thing right. and and of course you also kind of go feather in the cap you know we we program this thing that you know nobody'd heard of so um and it stands out so but i think that moving through the festival weekend i found myself really pretty happy uh, with the programming and there were some moments that it, it kind of hit right, and one of them was being in, in the film screening for the film The French, uh-huh. which is a two and a half hour, two hour and twenty minute uh, f- documentary film from nineteen the mid eighties. Yeah, um, I think it's the nineteen eighty four French Open, if I'm if I'm correct here. That that we that I screened via Metrograph Films, who've recently acquired it and are working currently on a restoration, and it is just two two hours and twenty minutes of observational footage from the French Open. And, you know, that's one of those that you're like, wait, what? Why is this in the lineup kind of feeling? But it, it felt like we needed something that felt that way for the balance of the lineup. And it's when I'm in there and I'm seeing that that room was full. Wow. Uh, and that we didn't have too many walkouts and just the sort of vibe and energy in the room and then seeing it come on the screen and be like, OK, I get it now. I get why that felt like the right thing. And it, and it was um, going and seeing Zola and having a question about, well, we screened the we screened it at the cinema. Should that really come back around? And seeing it at the Alabama so big and so loud <laughs> and, you know, thinking that no matter how much I love putting stuff at the cinema and it's so great, there is something just about size and power um, at it, some of the venues that we actually are able to take over for the for the weekend. And it was like this was absolutely the right thing to do. Do you ever think sometimes about how you are personally responsible for projecting more dicks on the screen of the Alabama theater than any other person. I think about it all the time. You, I think you about should it all the be, time. You should, that should be a, a feather <laughs> in your cap. It really should be. That is a personal uh, achievement. 
Man, oh boy, I should be ashamed of myself, actually. Um, no, I mean, that one's really, that that was a really, uh, I wasn't there for the dick montage, <laughs> but I heard that the dick montage went over really, really As well. As it should, it should bring the house down. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's just, I was there because the award show kind of bled into it, but the the passing the camera on the car road trips shots yeah. at the freaking Alabama Damn, y'all. So I was really happy. And I felt like I had never seen Emma before. The film Emma. I really felt like I had never seen this film before. If that had not conflicted with Summer of Soul, I would have seen that too. But uh, alas. I mean, just amazing. So I'm happy. You know, I'm happy with it. You should be. It's it's a good lineup. And I'm happy to say that we program more films than any other festival this fucking year. Yeah. We program more. Yeah. And I'm not saying more is better, but... More is more. Yes, more is better. More options. More is better. And we we rub Tribeca's face on it this year. We rub <laughs> South by South by who's normally like, here's our phone book. We rub their fucking face in it this year. So I mean, did our time did the timing benefit us more than South by? Mm, well, it certainly looked like it was going to. I'll put right. it that yes, way. Yes, yes. Um, ultimately, the did it? I don't know. Well, but you know, point is, is that I'm proud to say that we we had a real full force. It's on festival, and I think everybody was able to be safe and enjoy themselves and actually have a little bit of fun. And to quote Farrah White, who uh, was a juror this year and producer and actor, and you know, she was like one one really important thing that I think people are forgetting is that we want to be safe and we want to be healthy and we want to take care of each other. But we also do need to live our lives. Yeah, and and there's a and, and with living your life, there is a little bit of risk taking. There is a little bit of fear that comes into that. And again, I'm not putting anybody. I don't want to put anybody in harm's way, but we do want to figure out how to do things safely and then freaking do them. And so, and I feel like we did do that. So I, I'm happy with it. it. It is a it is a kind of a you know it's an interesting progression. This is year 15 for me, and looking at you know, how I felt after the festival. And of course, I think everything, I think the cinema is a game changer, right? Oh, absolutely. But before the festival, I would look at what it felt like to kind of step back from what is basically, I wouldn't say it's a year's worth of work, but it's 11 months worth of work. Mm -hmm. Look at 11 months worth of work with four of those months being pretty damn intense and, and, and all consuming. And you kind of step back and there was a, especially in the first four or five years, there was a feeling of, sort of, um, you know, postpartum, so to speak, right. that you get after the festival, this sort of depression, everybody's gone, all the, you know, all the, the fanfare's been taken down, all that kind of stuff. And you get is a little mild sort of depression that can kind of come with that. And I don't, in the last six or seven years, I really haven't experienced that. It's kind of changed for me. Yeah. And, and I, I, it's akin to the scene, a little bit akin to the scene in The Player, Mm-hmm. where the woman who's um, a widow says, I don't know, he's dead and I've moved on now. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I do, yeah. I'm not, it's not a direct quote, but he's kind of like, oh, well, yeah, he was here and now he's gone and I've, it's time for me to move on. And I mean, it's like two days or something. <laughs> right. Um, but I kind of get that feeling, you know, the next morning. I'm like, all right. And I used to get on and uh, look at the socials and look at what people are saying. and what it, I just don't even care anymore. It's just like, okay, what's next it, is the feeling. I. I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. I do think it comes from, and I think I, I might experience that different than some other folks on staff. Part of it is being a teacher like we are. And sure. you know, as you've programmed the festival before, you come off of that and we're right back at work. Yeah, you don't really get time to like sit in depression. Though I have experienced that post-event depression yeah. 
pretty acutely before, yeah. you know, post sidewalk. Um, when I was programming the festival, I would take the the day after off of work yep. and just kind of sit in decompress. It, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I fully know that feeling um, very very well. But it's not a feeling that that yes, being a teacher, you have the luxury of like staying in for very long because there's other stuff to do. Yeah, and it's a bit of applause from the stage, and then I'm back, you know refilling toilet paper in the bathrooms because the <laughs> janitorial service at my college hasn't done it. You know, it, it's a, it is a funny thing, but I do think there is something, there's some benefit from not taking a week to me. And again, I'm not, that's not a slight to anybody. If I could, I would y'all, I'm not saying that, <laughs> but it, there is some benefit in sort of hit it. You sort of kind of sleep for a minute and then you hit the ground running. And I think that that, I think that that's somehow come to help. And of course the cinema has too, because I'm thinking about Annette coming up. Sure. We got Candy lost, Man. lost Leonardo. I've got two weeks of Candyman, which mm-hmm. I'm incredibly excited about. Yeah. And then I'm looking at a very packed October. So I'm just like, what's next? What's next? Let's go. And so in some ways, it, it instead of it sort of being a depression that weighs on me now, I found in the last few years that whatever it is about it, it it's kind of almost re-energized me after a day. I mean, I, I look, I need another shower. I need another good night's sleep. <laughs> Do not get me wrong. I actually took Monday off, but I'm teaching a script writing class at the University of Montevallo now. So yeah. I drove to Montevallo that night and and was like, I can't believe I'm I am this tired and am talking about what a character heading is. But I did do that. So <laughs> anyway, point is is that it is funny how t- how our experience of things that are important in our lives kind of evolves over time and and really shifts and changes. But um, overall, good festival, I think. I think so too. I think that everybody in the sidewalk team should be proud of pulling everything together this year in particular, um, you know, two, <laughs> two kind of crazy festivals in, in different ways in a row. Um, yeah. last year's drive in yeah. and, and, and this year's homecoming that, that could have gone <laughs> pretty, pretty wrong. Um, here's to, um, a relatively smoother, 24th Man, annual Sidewalk Film Festival. Where right? everything in the world is on VOD. Just everything in the world will be on VOD. I mean, I, I, who knows what 2022 will bring. It, this has been a game-changing year, and you and I will talk about that a lot more as we move forward. Yeah. And I, is it you and I or you and me? You and I. So anyway, that's it. And, you know, to to sort of reflect again on the player, it's over now, and I'm in a different place, and we're moving on. Reflections. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Side Talks. We're your own personal cinematic Dennis and Randy Quaid. Oh, boy. Talk about two bad options. (laughs) I don't know. There's definitely a better one there. Do you not remember that very... Maybe I shouldn't say recently. In the last in the last decade, at least, Randy Quaid drug around with his wife, and like they had to run to Canada. And all. what did he do? He did something. I can't remember. Tax evasion. I don't know. Yeah, like, it was something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was loudmouthed about it, and God. it was nasty, and it got weird. Yeah, I guess at least Dennis has the uh, courtesy to be like a relatively quiet and stable Republican instead of like <laughs> a a crazy, you know, outspoken tax evading Republican. Oh, man. And he's in that... Why am I not thinking of her name? Um, my favorite Dennis Quaid moment is that he's in... Who sings that, like, you can't... I can't make... Bonnie Raitt. I was about to sing, I can't make you love me. If you Do you like that? Do you hear how good a singer I am? That's Bonnie Raitt? That's Bonnie Raitt. And he's in the video? He's in 
Let's give them something to uh, talk about. Oh, 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 yeah. Can you take us out with that, Brad, please? Of course. And thank you to Boutwell Studios. Just picture Dennis Quaid's face to the song. Sidewalkfest.com or at Sidewalk Film on social media where you'll find all the information about what's coming up at the Sidewalk Cinema when it reopens on September 10th. It's probably going to be open when you hear this. And we have a sponsor. And we still have Bonnie Raitt in the background. I love it. And that sponsor is Revelator Coffee. My favorite coffee shop in Birmingham, not least of which because it's a block from my house but i love it so much i go there all the time thank you thank you thank you to revelator coffee for sponsoring side talks yeah revelator coffee go get one let's go bye bye boutwell studios podcast division your words our expertise